the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning, and welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winning. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans. Plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and CIPIC. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. The days are flying by this summer. Here we are, almost at the end of August. Two weeks left before Labor Day. Vacations are wrapping up. The kids are back from their trips to camp or to grandma's house. Now, everyone is getting ready for school. They they aren't in school already. The coming week, I'm going to have to find the time to visit the Lorraine County Fair going to be held at the Lorraine County Fairgrounds. That's just a little west of uh, Wellington on Route 18. And it opens Monday morning, and it'll be open until the following Sunday. The end of the fair is a milestone in my calendar for the end of summer. In my mind, when the fair is over, we're into the fall. This is one of those old-fashioned fairs where the kids in the 4-H program still have a large presence with probably a dozen barns with the 4-H animals, the horses, the steers, the hogs, the sheep, the goats, and even the little things like rabbits and gerbils and things of this nature. So when you walk through the barns, the kids are everywhere. 
uh, washing and combing their livestock in preparation for showing their animals. And this is where the kids put the animals through their paces. And basically, they're judged by how how well they do with their projects. And uh, their parents and their grandparents are sitting there watching and, and uh, you know, and complimenting on what a good job they're doing. You know, the kids look at them and figure, oh, my Lord, I'm being judged. But uh, the, the people watching are not too critical of the little ones. And, of course, the, the fair also has its midway. And we have the junk foods, and just like all fairs. And they also have the stage shows at sundown, I think on Monday and Tuesday evening. And then we got the demolition derbies and the tractor pulls and stuff like that. But, again, the best part of me is the 4-H kids and their animals. Walking through the barn brings back old memories. Tammy and I were 4-H advisors. When our kids were growing up, we had a horse club when we were in Columbia Station, and later a, a small animal club uh, in uh, the Huntington Barnyard Boosters when we finally settled in the Wellington. It was a great program for teaching the kids responsibility and, uh, and the initiative. And basically, if you look back at the 4-H program, it's still an exceptionally good program for teaching the kids about taking care of things and responsibilities and, and also getting getting to know the animals and nature. It's a lot of fun walking through the barns now and talking to people who were in our 4-H clubs years ago. It's, it's right now they're parents themselves. And uh, now with summer vacations over and or almost over, uh, we can pay attention to what's going on in the world and what affects our uh, financial goals and financial plans. This week, global equities were mostly down, uh, with most of the global equities feeling the uncertainty of the returning uh, Delta COVID, or whatever you want to call it, the COVID uh, Delta variant. <clears throat> the Delta COVID has uh, impacted uh, recovering uh, economies everywhere. In Asia, uh, China's retail sales were down, and the year-over-year -year, uh, broad-based growth is down much more, well, not, not much more, it's down about 4%. And Japan just recently skirted a, a recession in the last quarter as, uh, with the help of increased government outlays. And basically what you're seeing is Asia and Europe are reporting restrictions due to the COVID variant, and uh, yeah, that's slowing their economic growth and hampering their supply chains. And this week, the, the uh, major U.S. indices uh, were down, while oil and, and copper prices retreated as investors weighed the rising uh, COVID cases, and the likely, in addition to the likely reduction in the monetary stimulus uh, measures by the Federal Reserve. This week, the three major equity indices uh, closed down for the week uh, after setting uh, record closings the week before. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, closed Friday at 35,120.08, which is down 1.1% for the week. 
the standard of Bore 500 closed at 4,441.67, and it was down six tenths of 1% for the week. And the NASDAQ closed at 14,714.66 when it was down seven tenths for the week. So this new COVID uh, Delta variant is causing a lot of changes. In, in September, we were supposed to be beginning the new uh, normal. Offices would uh, were supposed to reopen and children would return to the classrooms and and many people who left their jobs during the pandemic would re-enter the workforce. Well, the COVID has changed a lot of plans, hopefully not the, not any school plan. Uh, the COVID Delta variant is now upending plans as fresh questions about work and life have to be addressed. This week, the CDC, uh, the uh, disease control people decided to make a booster shot available, uh, that would be the third shot in the case of the uh, Pfizer vaccine and also the Moderna vaccines that would be available starting at the end of September. And uh, that was in response to what they're seeing in terms of uh, breakthrough infections where people who've had, uh, who've been immunized with two shots have become infected with the COVID. So, one of the countries that has uh, uh, vac- vaccinated most of their people is Israel, and uh, uh, they use the uh, Pfizer vaccine almost exclusively. And they reported recently that uh, uh, immunity from the uh, from the vaccine uh, dips with time, so uh, the immunity goes down. I recall when they initially uh, uh, distributed the uh, vaccines. They were talking about effectivity in the order of 90% or in the 90s. But now, after a period of time, like six months, uh, the uh, effectivity of the vaccines uh, decreases. So, um, another thing they reported uh, is that if you do get infected, Reinfected uh, or infected the first time, having vaccinated, having been vaccinated helps. For in their study, they showed that for people over 60, the number of serious cases among uh, unvaccinated uh, people were nine times more than the rate for vaccinated people of the same age uh, category. They also showed that the booster shots. Uh, uh, show that people for people over 60, uh, their uh, the uh, shots are 86 percent effective in uh, uh, the chances of infection and 92 percent effective in the uh, case in the severe cases. So uh, in Israel, they've been uh, providing the uh, third shot. Uh, they started last month, and now they're saying anybody over 40 uh, could get that shot. But in the United States, we'll have to wait until uh, uh, the end of uh, uh, the end of September uh, to be able to uh, start giving the uh, 
third shots for or booster shots as they call them. So, uh, you know, everything is call it learn learn while you learn. Uh, people are learning about more and more things about the COVID as time goes on. Now, so far, uh, the recovery has been stronger than anticipated, and uh, it basically caught a lot of people and businesses flat-footed with, you know, the sudden need for more workers and more inventory and and uh, get this stuff ASAP. And that, in turn, has basically driven up prices. If you take a look at the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, for July, we're talking about uh, a price increase over the last 12 months of 5.4% for the CPI. And the core CPI, where we neglect food and fuel, uh, increased 4.3% over the last 12 months. So those are numbers that the... Federal Reserve takes a look at, and uh, while the foundations of the economic recovery are still in place, investors are now weighing the influence of they're looking at this COVID Delta situation and trying to figure out what the impact of that will be. At the same time, uh, they realize that with the increased inflation, there's going to be a a future reduction in monetary stimulus in the Federal Reserve, and they're wondering what that's going to do to the stock and bond prices. This week, investors were looking for some insights from the uh, July Federal Open Market Committee meeting minutes to try to predict predict the future, and particularly with regard to what the <clears throat> excuse me what the Federal Reserve is doing in terms of the monetary uh, stimulus. Right now, uh, the Federal Reserve has uh, locked the federal funds rate or the overnight rate down to zero to one quarter of a percent. And they did that in February of last year, and they're continuing to do that. The other thing is that the Federal Reserve is purchasing $80 billion a month of U.S. Treasury and $40 billion a month of mortgage-backed securities. Uh, They've been doing that since February of last year, too. So both of these are activities that lower uh, the interest rates. And officials at the the last Federal Open Market Committee meeting on July 27th, 28th, they deliberated on questions like uh, when to start uh, cutting back on their monthly purchases of the $80 billion in uh, treasury securities and the $40 billion in mortgage securities, uh, starting when to cut back, how quickly to reduce or taper them. And uh, the answers are basically important for the financial markets because the federal officials have said that they'll, they prefer to conclude the bond buying program before considering raising the interest rates from year zero. So basically, both of these activities, buying the, keeping the interest rates uh, at uh, the fund fund, the federal funds rate at close to zero, uh, helps uh, keep the overall interest rates down. And that's something that the Federal Reserve controls directly. Uh, they don't control the 
they don't directly control the uh, uh, the interest rates for uh, farther out than overnight, but they do utilize that those purchases of of uh, bonds, the treasuries and the mortgage-backed securities, to control the uh, the five, the ten, the twenty-year rate, because uh, if they go to if they go into the markets and uh, cause a demand for uh, these uh, uh, bonds in in the longer maturities, what happens is that they can drive the price of the bonds up. Well, the, the, when they drive the price of the bonds up, let's say for a ten-year bond, uh, if the if the going rate, uh, going coupon on the ten-year bond is let's say one and one quarter percent, uh, then if they offer more than uh, the uh, more than the the value of the bond, let's say it's a million-dollar bond. Uh, if they offer uh, a million and a quarter for that, uh, basically what they're doing is uh, dividing that constant numerator by a increasing denominator. So what they can do now is basically um, uh, lower the uh, yield. So they can keep the yield for the 5 and the 10 and the 20 down by their buying operations with regard to these uh, treasuries and also with regard to the mortgage-backed securities in an attempt to control the the, uh, the mortgage rates. So what they're going to do, what they're trying to talk about now is uh, when are we going to start um, uh, changing that? In other words, when are we going to start to bring the rates uh, raise the interest rates, and there's, there's different ideas about how you could do that. People are talking about when to start. Some people are saying, "Hey, we're going to get our first impression of uh, the first real public discussion of it in the September meeting, where they start to talk about tapering the um, the bond buying operation." And at that point. Uh, they might start to talk about it and get some insight into how they're going to do it. And then they might start the actual tapering in November or December. And then the question is, how long is it going to take them to uh, taper? How long is it going to take them to get from $80 million, uh, or basically $120 billion of purchases a month down to zero? Is that going to be... Uh, in uh, over an eight-month period, over a 10-month period, over a 12-month period. So when do they start? How long does it take them to ramp it, ramp the tapering down? And we'll probably get our first preview of that uh, sometime in September. And when they get that ramping, uh, the tapering done, then the question is, uh, when are they going to increase the uh, federal funds rate that's presently anchored down at zero to one quarter of a percent. Because when they start moving that up, that'll move the whole yield curve up. And uh, uh, what we'll see is a return to normalcy in the uh, interest rate. 
In other words, like right now, if you take a look at the interest rates on a 10-year treasury, they're about 1.25% or 1.3%. It should be more like uh, normal activities. It should be closer to uh, 2.5% to 3%. So what you're going to see is basically uh, people are, uh, investors are looking at what's the COVID uh, delta uh, doing to us and how how long will that uh, uh, slow down the uh, recovery? And also the other thing is, uh, uh, when is the Federal Reserve going to uh, start increasing the interest rates to get us back to normal? Uh, and, and probably I suspect that We'll hear about that in September, and they'll start uh, uh, making their moves and reducing the you know, bond buying in December, and probably it'll be the end of uh, 2022 before they begin to raise the uh, uh, the uh, uh, federal funds rate. So these are things that the investors are looking at now. In the big picture, these are big picture items, but. Uh, the things that we have to take a look at, from our perspective, is uh, our financial plan. In other words, uh, what are our goals? Uh, uh, do we have a schedule and a cost idea of uh, when we have to have the money to meet those financial goals? How much money do we have to have? Do we have a saving plan uh, for uh, Taking that money out of the out of our paychecks, be it a four hundred one k or IRA or something, uh, do we have a emergency fund available? Do we have an investing plan? Uh, something that says that uh, uh, this is where we're going to put the money. Uh, are we going to uh, just speculate into? Uh, putting a money every every once in a while, are we going to have a savings plan that says uh, so much money comes out on a regular basis? And also, question then is how are we going to track it all? And this is basically uh, what we do in terms of, uh, uh, of meeting people's financial goals. So uh, you can give us a call uh, if you got questions with regard to the your financial plan or the uh, the uh, macro financial plan, you can give us a call at our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. Now stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. 
So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. talk about the big picture uh, it's the economy has got a good foundation you know the, the all the work that's been done so far in terms of the vaccines and uh, uh, getting the people vaccinated and the uh, federal stimulus in terms of six trillion dollars of checks and, and loans and things of this nature and also the the uh, monetary stimulus from the Federal Reserve is keeping down the interest rates so that the companies, basically what you're seeing now is that uh, uh, the companies are flush with cash. You know, there was a company can and, uh, sell 10-year bonds for, for 3%. Uh, and and uh, the, uh, big, uh, the big problem with basically the recovery so far has been that uh, it has been stronger than anticipated. And what you're doing, what you're seeing is uh, people running into problems with uh, lack of people, lack of workers, uh, difficulty in getting inventory built up, uh, trying to, uh, uh, trying to uh, accelerate the uh, uh, the supply chains when they've been shut down for a year, uh, all of these things are causing uh, jam ups in the uh, supplies and in the uh, getting people back to work and, and getting people organized. So uh, the foundations were put in there, and really what we're seeing right now is the COVID, this, uh, uh, what is it, Delta variant, this Delta variant is causing some questions with regard to uh, what is going to happen and uh, how long is it going to be here and how well will we uh, uh, we overcome it. Originally, when uh, when it first appeared, the COVID first appeared, the senior the senior people realized that they were the most vulnerable because I think something like eighty percent of the uh, Casualties were in the uh, uh, people over 60 or 65. So, uh, 80% of the deaths were in that particular category. And the one thing that the younger people realized is it really wasn't, uh, uh, they didn't seem to be vulnerable to it. But now that uh, uh, now that we've uh, vaccinated uh, the senior people, I, I suspect that most of your seniors have your double shots or single shots for the case of uh, Johnson & Johnson. Uh, it's the younger people that are uh, basically vulnerable. So uh, that's slowing things down, but the younger people aren't as uh, 
vulnerable to the worst cases as, as we are, and we're basically moving in the direction of uh, and, and providing booster shots uh, to the older people starting in uh, late September or October. In any case, the economy is still rolling along. Uh, if you take a look at new home construction for uh, uh, July, new home construction has been running basically at a furious pace, basically because of the demand. Uh, uh, they've exceeded the pace uh, before the pandemic, and they've been running into basically they've been running home building at uh, so fast that they're running into operational constraints such as uh, lack of skilled workers, building lots, uh, price increases in materials, uh, stretched out delivery schedules. In fact, delivery schedules have gotten so bad that. Uh, in some localities in Florida, I've seen comments that uh, certain communities are restricting new housing sales uh, to a, uh, you can't sell the house unless you're, you can commit to building it in a certain period of time. So uh, the U.S. Department of uh, Housing and Urban Development, they keep track of uh, home construction and their monthly new residential construction report. And that came out for July, and that basically says that in, in July, uh, relative to June, uh, home construction, general construction, the permits were up 2.6%, and the starts were down 7%, and the completions were up 5.6%. And if you compare July, this July, to July a year ago, uh, the permits were up 6%, the starts were up 2.5%, and the completions were at 3.8%. So uh, one of the things you're seeing right now, if you break it out and say, okay, that's that's the numbers, those are the numbers for uh, individual houses as well as single-family houses as well as for multifamily units. What you start to see is that... Uh, uh, there's a um, difference in the single-family and the multifamily. This is uh, the July numbers, July versus June, shows that the permits for the single-family are down in uh, July, 1.7% versus June, and they're up 11.1% uh, for the multifamily. That's in permits, and uh, then in starts, what you're seeing is that uh, uh, single-family starts were down 4.5% in July and down 13.6% in, in uh, for multifamily, and completions were up in both cases. So if we compare uh, July to July a year ago, what we see is that the starts in uh, single-family homes were up 11.6%, and the starts in multifamily homes were down 16.3%. So obviously, for the last year, the emphasis has been on uh, single-family homes, uh, but there's been an emphasis on multifamily homes uh, just recently. So... Uh, even as the number of new starts is slowing, 
if you do compare the uh, 2001 to 2020 year to date from uh, January to July, what you see in the in the case of uh, the single family permits were up 29 percent, multifamily permits were up 19.4 percent, <throat> and uh, in the starts. Single-family starts were up 27.2 percent. Uh, multifamily were up 9.7 percent, and in the completions, uh, single families were up 8.3 percent, and the multifamily was up 14 percent. So, basically, what you see is that even though there might be ups and downs with regard to starts and permits and things of this nature, uh, 2021 has been a excuse me has been a banner year uh, for home construction and uh, <laughs> uh, it should well it should continue as best it can with regard to the operational constraints in other words new home construction is working at the fastest pace it's ever worked at but uh it's running into uh, price constraints in the sense that uh, there's a feeling that we're uh, uh, pricing the new homes out of the marketplace. So prices have gone up because of the materials, because of the labor, because of the building lots. And uh, that's going to slow down the uh, pace of home, new home construction. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get This Slow. Uh, you give us a call over our toll-free number and ask some questions. It's, the toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get This Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number is one 888 Colleen, did we have a call there? I saw a light. Yeah, we sure did. Um, Randy gave us a call, and he would like to know, are the rules for a Roth IRA and a Roth 401k alike? Or is the name the only thing they have in common? Great question, Randy. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, the, the, the contributions, the, the thing that they have in, in common is that the contributions are made with after-tax money. In other words, uh, in the case of the regular IRA and the 401k, uh, you can put your money in there and uh, not pay your taxes on it, and, uh, you know, uh, you'll pay your taxes when you take your money out and distribute it after you retire. In the case of the 401k, you pay your uh, uh, taxes up front before you put your money into the account, and uh, the uh, promise there is that uh, 
the earnings that uh, accumulate in those accounts over a period of time will not be taxed when you distribute it. So when you do retire, uh, you can take money out of your 401, uh, your uh, Roth 401k, your Roth IRA, without paying taxes on it. So um, that's that's the the biggest thing. But the the other thing is that the the uh, uh, the income limits too. You know, your your Roth 401k doesn't have any income limits. And you can uh, you can put as much as nineteen thousand five hundred into those particular accounts, but uh, um, you know, plus you have a, a catch up for people over uh, fifty, and uh, so the Roth IRA, Roth four hundred one k's are uh, generally much bigger than the Roth IRA. The Roth IRA. Uh, do come with income limits. You know, the individual taxpayer who makes, I think it's, uh, I think it's $140,000 or more in 2021 for married couples making more than uh, 208000 are not eligible for a Roth IRA contribution. So they do have smaller amounts and you're only talking about uh, stashing away six thousand dollars per year uh, versus nineteen thousand five hundred. So um, you can also other difference is you can take a, a loan out of your Roth four hundred one k. That's also true for your regular four hundred one k. You can take a uh, borrow up to fifty percent of your account value or fifty thousand dollars out of these four hundred one k accounts. The IRA doesn't allow any loans at all. So, and uh, in the case of the uh, 401k, it's restricted to uh, as long as you're working for the company, you can't take out money out of your Roth 401k. But your Roth IRAs, uh, you uh, your Roth IRAs, you can take money out of the uh, Roth IRA without a penalty. As long as you don't take uh, any more than what you originally put in, in other words, if you put in the into a Roth IRA, if you put uh, uh, six thousand dollars into it, and it's grown to ten thousand uh, dollars, you can take the original six thousand dollars out without uh, any penalty, uh, even before fifty-nine and a half, and even before the five years. Uh, but the uh, uh, you can't touch the earnings uh, without a penalty uh, unless it's, uh, you're over 59 and a half unless you completed that five year. So uh, the big advantage of the uh, Roth IRA is that uh, you don't, you're not required to take a required minimum distribution, whereas with a Roth 401k, you are required uh, to take minimum uh, distributions when you reach age 72. Of course, you don't have to pay taxes on them, but you still have to take them out. So, uh, good question, uh, Randy. And uh, if I didn't uh, cover all the bases for you, by all means, give me a call and we'll talk about it in detail. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll free number. It's 1 
888-281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You know, we were talking about uh, home construction, and uh, there's a National Association of uh, Home Builders, and they report uh, they reported for August that uh, uh, the builder's confidence fell at a 13-month uh, uh, low uh, because of the home prices going up, material costs. And according to the report, quote, builder sentiment in the market for newly built single-family homes fell five points to 75 in August. And that's according to the latest uh, National Association of Home Builders slash Wells Fargo Housing Market Index. And the index is at its lowest point since July of 2020. And that's because higher construction costs, supply shortages, have led to significant price growth, which in turn has caused prospective buyers to experience a sticker shock. So what they're seeing is a decline in the uh, buyer traffic uh, index to its lowest level since July 2020 is evidence that the supply side's constraints have begun to hold customers back. So uh, <clears throat> there was a time when when they were uh, they weren't up against all these operational constraints, but the operational constraints are basically driving the uh, uh, the costs and uh, driving the up the affordability of the, of the housing. Another area is, is where we see uh, the recovery is in uh, retail sales, and retail sales in July were somewhat. Uh, uh, weaker than expected, but not that that much uh, weaker, and that was probably due more to the COVID uh, Delta cases. And uh, the retail sales still stood at six hundred and seventeen point seven billion dollars uh, for July. On Tuesday, the U.S. Department of Commerce reported that uh, retail sales, a measure of purchases at stores, restaurants, and online fell 1.1% last month compared to June, and excluding autos, um, and that's the, the excluding autos because uh, that's a category where supply chain issues have limited uh, available, limited inventory, and uh, if you eliminate autos, sales were still down four-tenths of 1%, and they dropped across uh, categories. Uh, uh, primarily order, but also clothing, sporting goods, and, and furniture. Uh, retail and, and uh, food services sales in uh, July, like I said before, were $617.7 billion. And uh, 
but that was also uh, 15.8% above July a year earlier. And total sales for uh, May of 2021 through July of 2021 were basically up 20.6% compared to that same period a year earlier. So what you're seeing is that retailers and other businesses are facing uncertainty caused by the Delta variant as a, a higher transmissibility or trans, you know, transmissibility uh, strain causes setbacks for some companies. And data suggests that uh, a pullback in uh, spending on items such as air travel and cruises and things of this nature. So uh, retail sales had picked up uh, earlier in the summer as shoppers directed spending more towards services, uh, such as dining and traveling. Uh, originally, when the COVID hit, they, they uh, directed most of their, they were isolated and uh, directed most of their uh, buying activities towards uh, durable goods. But now, uh, as people begin to get out, they begin to talk about more dining and traveling. But uh, COVID restrictions and concerns about the the uh, Delta variant have made shoppers more cautious. So, uh, what we're seeing in the second quarter that ends in ending in June is that the uh, U.S. consumer spending rose uh, at a robust rate of 11.8 percent, and that uh, uh, will contribute to the strong. Uh, growth rate in the U.S. economy. And according to the Wall Street Journal article, a MasterCard tracker of online and in-store spending shows that retail sales, excluding autos and gas, uh, were up approximately 11% in July compared to the same month in 2020. So you're seeing that uh, the band of stores is... uh, uh, broadly holding up well, and at the back to uh, school shopping uh, season uh, did get off to a solid store, uh, solid start, uh, uh, basically almost up to the uh, pre-pandemic levels. So what you're seeing is a, is a in uh, uh, July uh, compared to June. Uh, you're seeing a decrease of about uh, 1.1%. Most of the decrease was in uh, motor vehicles and auto parts. Uh, but there were increases in other things like uh, 2.6% reduction in clothing and and accessories. Uh, a uh, non-store retailers went down uh, 3.1%, which is unusual because non-store retailers is... Uh, Amazon and and, and uh, e-commerce uh, in general, and uh, but overall, what you're seeing is that uh, compared to last year, uh, retail sales were up uh, big time. In other words, if you take a look at uh, July of 2021 versus 2020, uh, retail and food services were up uh, 15.8%. Typically, in a normal year, that's more like three or four uh, percent that the uh, the uh, retail and food services will be up. Uh, 
motor vehicles are even up uh, 16%. And also, if you just take a look down through the, the numbers, what you'll see is that there's been a dramatic recovery in the economy uh, uh, from 2020 to 2021. So, and that, that basically shows up in the uh, in the purchasing and the, uh, uh, the buying. Uh, also, in the industrial production, uh, the Federal Reserve uh, puts out a report that talks about industrial production and capacity utilization. And they just put out the report for July, which uh, shows that uh, industrial production in July was up nine tenths of a percent, and after moving up by two tenths of a percent in June. So the recovery is still there and still moving. Of course, this is June, July's data, not the August data. And uh, July's industrial production was uh, uh, 6.6%. Uh, above July <clears throat> industrial production a year ago. What the way the Federal Reserve keeps track of industrial production is that they took a, take a look at uh, manufacturing, mining, and utilities. Now, manufacturing is the biggest part, about 73% of the industrial production, but that's how they classify uh, the uh, production and industrial production. So what you're seeing is that uh, uh, manufacturing, in July, manufacturing increased 1.4% and is still up 7.4% from a year ago uh, when uh, durable goods manufacturing showed an increase of 2.4%. Uh, uh, so durable goods manufacturing in general in July, it was up 1.4. Durable goods was up 2.4. Non-durable goods was up uh, three-tenths of a percent. And what you're showing is that uh, in, uh, in July, the primary metals, steel and aluminum, uh, production was up 1.2. Machinery is up 1.9. Electrical equipment appliances up 2.3. All these numbers are basically good numbers in terms of uh, recoveries. And uh, your non-durable uh, production, like food production and stuff like that, is, is about where it was before. Uh, the other components, like mining and utilities, mining was up 1.2 and utilities were down uh, basically 2.1%. Uh, uh, so what you're seeing is that the recovery the recovery is moving along uh, in a robust fashion. Uh, the difficulty is in uh, trying to assess uh, what's going to happen with regard to this uh, Delta uh, COVID variant. But uh, uh, what we do is say, okay, what is happening out there, and what can we, what in, and can we really look at? And ascertain one of the things that we, uh, along with the um, manufacturing, we look at the Philadelphia uh, manufacturing and business outlook. And basically, that's a snapshot in time for August, where they take a look and they, have to, and they talk to um, the manufacturing <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, 
contacts along the eastern uh, seaboard, along the Atlantic seaboard, and they talk to them about uh, what's happening with regard to uh, new orders, uh, shipments, backlog, number of employees, employee employee work like work uh, workloads and things of this nature. And what they do is uh, they put together a number, but <clears throat> even more important than the actual number itself is to go down into the uh, go down into the uh, responses of the people. And according to uh, what they're seeing in the manufacturing business outlook, uh, they're seeing continue, continued expansions for the region's uh, manufacturing sector. The indicators for current activity and shipments uh, decreased from last month but remained uh, elevated. So according to uh, questions, what's your evaluation of the level of general business activity? 28% said it was better this month than last month. New orders, 34.4% said it was better this month than last month. Um, shipments, uh, 34% said it was better this month. This is how everybody feels that this month was better than last month. Uh, un backlog, that didn't increase as much. That only increased 28%. Uh, delivery times really stretched out. 33% uh, said that delivery times are stretching out. Uh, prices paid, 74% said we're paying more uh, than we paid last month. Uh, prices received, 56% said they're getting more for their product. Number of employees, 39% uh, said they increased the number of employees. And uh, a special question was, um, uh, <clears throat> what does your uh, firm expect to receive for its own goods and services? And, and they're expected to receive 5% more uh, this year than last year. And the question about compensation, what will your compensation your firm will pay for employees? That shows an increase of 4%. Uh, this year versus last year. Uh, if you were to ask those questions last year, you would have numbers like, uh, rather than the 5%, uh, you would have numbers like 3%. So, indeed, what you're seeing is that uh, uh, the, the economy is uh, rolling ahead in terms of uh, uh, the uh, manufacturing in terms of the sales, uh, uh, you know, the, the only thing that's really holding us back right now is the COVID and uh, this new Delta variation of COVID. So we should be able to get over that soon, too. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. With the Afghanistan crisis continuing to unfold and the Delta COVID disrupting our plans for September and, and the fall, uh, we look for solutions. <clears throat> I was uh, browsing through the internet, <clears throat> excuse me, and came across a quote from Audrey Hepburn. It went like this. 
Nothing is impossible. The word itself says impossible. Uh, basically, that tells us that the solution is in ourselves. There should be no limit to our dreams and goals. We can achieve anything we can imagine because we're special. And being special, there are things to remember and one thing to never forget. Always remember that your presence is a present to the world, that you are unique and one of a kind, that your life can be what you want it to be. If you take the time, just one of the days, just one at a time. You need to remember to count your blessings, not your troubles, and trust that you will make it through whatever comes along. Remember that within you are so many answers. You just need to understand, to have courage, and to be strong. Always remember not to put limits on yourself. So many dreams are waiting to be realized. Remember that decisions are too important to be left to chance. You need to reach for your peak, your goals, and your prize. Always remember nothing wastes more energy than worrying, and long, the longer one carries the problem, the heavier it gets. Remember, don't take things too seriously. You need to live a life of serenity, not a life of regret. Always remember... <laughs> A little love goes a long way, and remember that a lot goes forever. Remember that friendship is a wise investment, and life's treasures are its people. So don't ever forget, that even a day, how special you are. So be all that you can be, and don't go to your grave with your music still inside of you. So until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Slow, May God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.